Among today's topics that I want to talk about, I want to expound a little bit on the blog post that I posted earlier this week. And I also want to look at social media and why we should never flock to it in the heat of a breaking news story. Welcome, guys, to another edition of the FritzCast. It's Friday, August 6, 2018, and if you follow along at home, you probably listened to Monday's episode because I did an episode Monday because I didn't do an episode last Friday. So get the logic right in your head and, you know, do the math and draw it out on a piece of paper real quick and get caught up to speed. You probably also remember from Monday's episode that I said I was under the weather, and clearly, if you can't hear it in my voice, if you can't hear it in my voice, I'm still shaking off whatever that is. So, I think it was a changing of the seasons. I don't want to really, I don't want to commit to that because, yeah, it did become spring, but then it was also like snowing still in Delaware. All right, this is in Minnesota. I understand in Minnesota that it's January 94th. You know, I don't care about that. Here in Delaware, it's it's April 6th. It's April 6th. So, I expect to see sunnier skies, warmer temperatures. Okay, not 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 astronomically high temperatures, warmer temperatures. I want to be able to take my bike out for a spin, you know, do the five-mile bike rides that I was doing, and also maybe go back to the gym. I hate to admit that. I hate to say that out loud. It hurt saying it, but I'd like to get my bike rides back in, get my gym regiment back up. Whip this body into shape because in July I'm supposed to have a beach trip. And my body is definitely not beach body right now, if you know what I mean. I think even at my height, or even at my peak, my body probably wouldn't be beach body. But it is, it is that 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 is what it is. I'm not going to fret about that. So, uh, since Monday, let's see. I haven't accomplished much since Monday. Because that was the time I got to squeeze in a podcast before going to work. And then I followed that up with three days of doing overtimes. So my life has literally been uh, in in a prison for the last three days. Which, I, I, it isn't necessarily a bad thing, I guess. Well, yeah, it's a totally bad thing. I, how am I trying to justify that? I guess it was good for, you know, money. It probably wasn't good for my sanity or my mental health, so... That being said, um, while while my time was encompassed in, in that, so, like, housing projects here, like, yeah, I'm now a little behind on housing projects. That happens when you go to work for 16 hours a day, all right? So I'm sorry for those of you who follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. 
wondering, I, I don't see pictures of its floor yet. I'm still waiting for Home Depot to get the shipment of my flooring in. All right? I can't put down tiles that don't yet... Well, they, they exist somewhere. But they're not yet at the store for me to go pick up. So I can't lay down. I can't put down... I, I You can't pick up what I'm putting down. You know what I mean? So at least I can straighten that room up. I do have uh, the closet subflooring to tear up and put in new subflooring there. So that'll be something that I do either today or tomorrow. More than likely tomorrow. I can tell you after three days of work, you I, I can clean up the house. I can straighten things up. I can make it look pretty. for. I can do that for about two hours worth of time before I just want to plop down on the couch and play video games for the rest of the day. That's how that works. Either that or I'll read a book. I read a little bit more. I will say this. I read a little bit more of my Declaration of Independence by Matt Welch and Nick Gillespie. And I can tell that that book's going to turn into a page turner. Um, I really do like their perspectives on things. And they were talking that that book was written uh, around the 2008 uh, and 2012 election periods, looking at that time frame. And it's given me a lot of insight. People... Today, people want to get on Twitter and Facebook and they want to talk about what's going on every single day of the week because that's the Donald Trump reality president TV era. That's what it is. Trump tweets something. Everybody flocks to news and Twitter and Facebook and everything. And they write, you know, exponential articles over people tweeting back and forth over tweets. People write news articles over tweets. It's it's a thing. It is a legitimate thing. And... I don't know how much time I waste doing it, but I do it. I mean, I read them. And I don't know why I read them. I don't know if it's because I enjoy self, I enjoy inflicting self-harm or if it is some other thing. I'm not entirely sure. And God, I wish I was making that up, but Twitter, Twitter is like a drug. You can literally just sit on the Twitter feed and keep refreshing and refreshing it. And every tweet that you can read from, and I'll give examples later when I talk about it, a little bit more in depth, but you can read any any sort of tweet on any subject, especially what's going on and breaking in the news immediately. And my my reaction is always like it's it's like three different reactions almost. It's like, oh, I agree with that person. Oh, I don't agree with that person. And I don't know if that person actually believes that or if they're just trolling slash shit posting. Like, I, I literally can't decipher some of them. Some of them are so off the wall insane that I'm like, this has to be a joke. This has to be something other than what it looks like. Because somebody can't, somebody truly can't believe and think that way. But alas, the internet and social media, you should never be surprised by anything. That is a quote from Abraham Lincoln about the internet. I know, I saw it in a meme. Actually, though, interesting, I, I didn't think about bringing this up when I started this, when I decided to record the episode today, but um, there was a quote I used from Abraham Lincoln in something. Oh, you know what? In fact, it was in Monday's episode, wasn't it? I believe it was in Monday's episode where I talked about, yeah, I talked about that. You find a meme. People find memes. And they just they they read words on pictures and they go oh that I, I agree with that or oh my god that's ridiculous and they don't research it at all and they just post it. 
that's the that's the world of social media plus people interjecting their opinions on things that they saw with words on pictures. That's that's social media in a nutshell. So the blog post that I wrote this this past week was titled Cars are Killer. Now I want you to see I want to I want to just give you a moment and see if you can guess what the subject matter of that one was. All right. Cars are killer. What's the subject? What's the subject matter? Is it car accidents? Is it car accidents? Is it deaths and car accidents? Bing, bing, bing. That's right. So I wrote up this article, and why did I write it? It wasn't supposed to be a a near-hand-in-hand comparison to things like gun deaths, all right? But one of the things that I looked at when I wrote this article about car accidents was, you know, what's the rough yearly total of car deaths? And and in most cases, it, it rounds up to about 40,000 deaths per year in cars. And gun homicides, and this is taken from every town, you know, USA, this is a big organization that helped donate to the March for Our Lives and all that. It's 13,000, roughly 13,000 homicides by gun in the United States per per year. Roughly 13,000. Uh, or, I believe it was 1 in 94. 1 in 94 or 1 in 96. Or, not 1 in 96. 96 victims of gun violence per day. However, every town for gun violence in their 96 per day include suicides, which is nearly two-thirds of all gun deaths is suicide. And some people, when I wrote this article, uh, reached out to me and said, why are you excluding suicides? Suicides are a thing, and they were done by a gun. And I brought up in the article itself, and I just tell them to refer, refer back to the article. Japan has one of the higher suicide rates in the world and some of the strictest gun laws in the world, yet they still have high rates of suicide. And when you're talking about suicides and gun deaths, it's easy for one crowd to say you can't discount suicides because guns were accessible and that may have been what pushed somebody to the brink. That is, factually speaking, possibly true. Except you can't assume, logically now, or reasonably, you, can't reasonably, you cannot reasonably assume that just because a firearm was not present or accessible to an individual that them in a suicidal state doesn't mean that they wouldn't have tried another means of suicide. Suicide is a very touchy subject. Very touchy subject, and it's a very complex subject. It's not very simple because most people who aren't going through something don't just think, you know what, I'm going to kill myself today because I'm done. You usually have to be driven to that point through financial hardship, emotional hardship or some combination thereof not to mention that's not even diving into that's not even dying into certain mental illnesses that can creep into somebody's life anxieties PTSD whatever what have you that doesn't encompass that stuff when talking about suicide because there's everyday people who aren't Suffering from a mental illness. They literally are just suffering from stress. Some people get stressed out. And they keep things bottled up. And they put too much on themselves. But 
you see, suicide becomes a very complex subject. So I phased suicides out of the number of gun deaths because, to me, anyway, suicide is a act that a person carries out intentionally on themselves. If we just boil it down, typically that's what suicide is. So, every town for USA's gun safety, 96 per day, yes, it's true, but it doesn't encompass... All the other day, all the other data, in my in my eyes, anyway, it doesn't consider the what if factors of that stuff. So, in in my article, I found statistics from the uh, National Safety Council that breaks down your odds of dying, and this isn't even this doesn't even crack the top three on the list. It starts at the at number four and moves on. All right, so the number four in the top five odds of dying, but the first one that isn't some form of medical illness. As in, as in non-heart attack, non-cancer related, non-anything of that nature. Some of that you can't even help. Some of that your body's just susceptible to more than others. So the f- number four is you have a 1 in 91 chance for suicide. You have a 1 in 91 chance of killing yourself. All right, the next one is 1 in 102 for motor vehicle crashes. 1 in 109 for opioid painkillers. We always hear about the opioid crisis. We always do. We always talk about it. 1 in 109 for opioid painkillers. 1 in 119 for, get this, simply falling down. That's mostly encompassing older and or elderly Americans. But 1 in 119 chance for simply falling down. 1 in 285 for a gun assault, for an intentional gun homicide. And in accidental gun discharges, the one that I hate anybody bringing up, it's 1 in 8,305. Gun accidental discharges are a rarity. And mass shootings encompass less, taking in overall homicides. Mass shootings are... Again, a rarity. They're happening more prominently. We talk about them all the time now, but they're still, on that spectrum, the lowest form. So I've generated some good buzz with the article that I wrote on cars because I put in a lot of different statistics and angles, including surveys that have shown that Americans like to participate in dangerous and or stupid activities while driving a car, which not only risks that person's life, but the life of every driver on the road that's around them, which shows a blatant disregard for the respect of one's life or others' lives. And it really makes me wonder, when people bring up the arguments about guns, you know, how do these people buy all these guns? Do you not not have a conscience? Do you not think about these children and all these guns on the street? Do you not care? We consistently turn a blind eye to car driving. We, we consistently turn a blind eye to the fact that people get in cars all the time and willingly, tell, willingly admit in surveys that they check their phone for text messages or get on their phone or have some other distraction in their driving, including being asleep or so worn out to the point that they've almost fallen asleep behind the wheel. And for what? The only reason I wrote the article was to show that you can take data for anything, probably. 
and paint a case that it's bad and doesn't need to be around or needs to be more heavily regulated. And the other point in the blog that I wrote was that cars are heavily regulated with safety regulations like seat belts and uh, speed limits on the roads and laws against texting and driving, all right? And you have to have insurance, right? In most cases, in most states, you have to have some type of insurance, whether it's liability or, or a fully comprehensive package. You have to go to the DMV and get a license. You have to renew that license on a regular basis. However, renewing your license doesn't encompass anything. Renewing your license is literally, at least in Delaware, walking into the DMV and we have kiosks that we can go up to and not even interact with a person and just get a new license spit out at us. And that doesn't even, you know, that that doesn't talk about even how there's an educational buildup in the Department of Education. Kids get taught how to drive at a very young age. And, but are people retested in driving? No. They're rarely retested in driving. And you get discounts for going to stupid little uh, one-offs hosted by Trooper Ben for defensive driving so that you can get 10% off your insurance. That's, that's, that's what driving is. That's, that's where we're at with driving. My drive home point in that is that I'm not going to be surprised if in like five years if the AI technology for self-driving cars becomes so proficient that there won't be a group of people sitting there moving that A, all gas vehicles should be banned because they're bad for the environment, and B, all non-self-driverless vehicles should be banned because humans are too stupid to be driving. A point that, while I, I, am, I am definitely of the crowd that humans are stupid, and there are many stupid drivers, but I am not sitting here saying that people should have the ability to drive restricted. And that's, by the way, not even really in the Constitution. That's not even really a constitutional right. You have a right to travel. I'm sure that there's some libertarians that would uh, debate me in saying that the right to travel probably does cover... Uh, the right to drive a car on a public roadway. and But the thing with that can of worms is that there's libertarians who will tell me and tell you and argue about how the DMV, needing a driver's license, needing a registration for your vehicle, needing a license plate, needing all that jazz and insurance and all that should not be something that's forced upon people. And that's up for debate. So that article's generated some buzz for me. And if you haven't read it yet, you can just go to fritzcast.wordpress.com and click on my blog section, and it is there, titled Cars Are Killer, or just go to my Twitter or the Facebook page. It's posted up there. You can find the link. Go in and read it, share it, and share your thoughts. I did get some feedback from it. My brother-in-law, who me and him don't exactly see eye-to-eye on the political spectrum, he actually pointed out some good points in my article, and then he gave some dissenting points, but it was civil. And I don't mind civil because I wrote it to be... I, I wrote it for shits and giggles. I didn't write it for severity. I just wrote it because... But really because I was bored. I wrote it because I was bored. And I was having fun researching and looking at it. And just playing devil's advocate, if you will. Which I do sometimes. Now, speaking on guns. And we were just talking about that with the uh, the, the blog that involved cars. Alright, speaking of guns. Yeah, we had... <laughs> a shooting at YouTube headquarters. And one of the things that truly disgusted me over the past couple of days with that event is the fact that people flock to social media, and I think I've talked about this before too, people flock to social media in the heat of the moment 
breaking news, tweeting about their views and opinions before anything is actually even known about it. For example, and those of you who follow along uh, stringently and stay up to snuff probably already read Michael Ian Black's tweet on April 3rd. Quote, another shooting, I'm going to politicize the fuck out of it, and so should you. The NRA is a terrorist organization. End quote. Things like that. And the rhetoric in the gun debate, I probably said it time and again, the rhetoric that's going on in the gun debate about the NRA is a terrorist organization, and the NRA does nothing, and it's all blood-soaked money with the blood of children. And if you, if you, if you defend the Second Amendment at all, you're a despicable person. You want to know who defends the Second Amendment? This guy does. Ball over here, practice or anything. What I really came down here for is this. Uh, I've heard a whole lot of people in here talking tonight about this group and that group and domestic violence and blacks, these minorities and that minority. What I want to know is, when are you all going to start standing up for the majority? And here's who the majority is. I'm the majority. I'm a law-abiding citizen who's never shot anybody, never committed a serious crime, never committed a felony. I've never done anything like that. But it seems like every time we have one of these shootings, nobody wants to blame, put the blame where it goes, which is at the shooter's feet. You want to put it at my feet. You want to turn around and restrict my right, constitutional right that's spelled out in black and white, you want to restrict my right to buy a firearm and protect myself from some of the very people you're talking about in here tonight. It's ridiculous. I don't think Rod Serling could come up with a better script. It does not make any sense. The law-abiding citizens of this community and many communities around this country, we're the first ones taxed and the last ones considered and the first ones punished when things like this happens because our rights are the ones that are being taken away. That's the reason why I came down here today. Gun show or no gun show, NRA or no NRA. I'm here to stand up for the law-abiding citizens of this community. Because I'm going to tell you that what's going to happen. You can take the guns away from us all you want to. You all write a law, I follow the law, I'll bring my guns down here, I'll turn them in. But here's what's going to happen. The Crips and the Bloods on the other side of town, they're not going to turn their guns in. They're going to hold on to them. And what's going to happen when you have to send the police down there to go take them? The police can barely enforce the law as it is. As what I see, we demonize the police, criminalize and, and, and vilify the police, and we make the criminals into victims. And we're talking about restricting guns? How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that when the police department's already hamstrung? You're not going to be able to go down here and take these guns from these criminals. So the criminals are going to hold on to their guns. They're still going to have them. They're still going to break in my house, and they're still going to shoot me with them. And guess who's going to be the one that suffers? It's going to be me. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight, it is not going to happen without a fight. And when I say fight, I don't mean shots fired. I don't mean fists thrown. I mean I'm going to come down here to this city council and raise hell just like these loonies from the left do until you listen to the majority of the people in this city. And I am the majority. The majority of the people in this city are law-abiding, and they follow the law, and they want their constitutional right to be able to bear, to bear arms. They want to be able to gun go to the gun show and buy a hunting rifle or a sport, or sport rifle. There are no military-grade weapons sold, showed, uh, sold at the 
a gun show, an AR-15 is not a military-grade weapon. Anybody would go into combat with an AR-15 is a fool. It's a semi-automatic 22 rifle. You'd be killed in 15 minutes in combat with that thing. So we need to dispel all these myths, and we need to drop all this, all this division that we got going on here. Because the bottom line is, when that Second Amendment was written, whether the framers liked it or not, they wrote it for everybody. And I am everybody. And the law-abiding citizens of this city are everybody. And we want our rights, and we want to keep our rights. And by God, we're going to keep them, come hell or high water. That was uh, Mark Robinson. Mark Robinson at a town hall meeting over the debate of guns. And you know what? Parts of that I absolutely agree with. That, And that's just part of a very complex uh, debate that's going on right now. Some people say, and they point at England, and they say, you know, hey, you know, the U.K., there's virtually no guns, and look, look, look what happens there. Well, people in the U.K. are freaking out over rising crime rates, so to speak. And then also you have this story of a 78-year-old man. A 78-year-old man, Mr. Osborne Brooks. Richard Osborne Brooks. Who was arrested on murder suspicion after discovering two intruders in his house. One suspect was armed with a screwdriver and forced Mr. Osborne Brooks into his kitchen where a struggle ensued and he was stabbed. The 38-year-old suspect was taken to the hospital and pronounced dead at 3.40 in the morning. Mr. Osborne Brooks, who suffered bruising to his arms, was arrested on suspicion of murder. He remains in custody at a South London police station. The other intruder involved in this remains at large. And mind you, this story was posted yesterday on BBC News. And I understand there's a process. I understand things happen. Somebody ends up getting hurt or dying. But that, to me, seems as if, though, it was a clear case of self-defense. I'm not so sure the 78-year-old man should be in custody in a police station over it. But I understand the investigation aspects, and I understand that by British law, according to this article, at least anyway, that the CPS and police urge people to always call the police first if you're able, but according to the official guidance, anyone can use reasonable force to protect themselves. As a general rule, the more extreme the circumstances and the fear felt, the more force you can lawfully use in self-defense. And it doesn't require you to wait to be attacked before using defensive force but does not protect you if your action is over the top or calculated revenge. That's what they deal with in the UK. That's what they deal with in other parts of the world. In America, we don't deal with that, depending on where you are, because in some states, the sanctity of your home and your possessions, your property, is important. It is important. That's why there's the 14th Amendment. That reads, Section 1, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and the subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities 
of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property. Note how it does not say the pursuit of happiness noted in the Declaration of Independence, but it actually says property without due process of law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. And in people flocking to Twitter, like Michael Ian Black, for example, there are other cases. I mean, obviously, these are all, for lack of better terms, just people on the internet. And people, I judge a person as they come, one at a time. But this is what happens on, on the internet. This is what happens on social media. These are the types of people that are out there that don't, as I like to say, think. My buddy Jason Howerton shared this tweet that was from a Twitter verified account. In which this tweet says, quote, If you are a MAGA or a Second Amendment enthusiast, I legitimately do not care about your life well-being or the lives well-beings of your family. I don't care if you can't defend yourselves against intruders or whatever. I just don't care if you live or die. And yes, it's not some tweet taken out of context. It's a whole slew of tweets in which this person states that they more or less don't care about your right to protect yourself. There are people who will argue against and say that if somebody breaks into your house, just do whatever they say, let them do whatever they want. Don't do anything against them. And you won't get hurt, and they won't get hurt. I don't care about the person breaking into somebody's house. If you break into somebody's house, you buy everything that that person throws at you because you have now violated the sanctity of their home. Everybody's home is supposed to be a safe place. Everybody's home... It's supposed to be their haven, the place they go to to sleep at night, the place that they have their family, the place that they keep their stuff. That is their place. Nobody should have to wonder if somebody's going to break down their front door, but it's a distinct possibility that somebody's going to break down your front door, try to break through a window, drive a car through your freaking house because they're drunk. It could possibly happen, but the minute somebody does something to your house, I could care less what happens to them. That doesn't mean that I don't value life, but that's your house. Nobody's allowed to roll up in there with a knife, a gun, a, a, a freaking 14-inch lead pipe, a shovel, or even their bare fist. Nobody's allowed to do that to your home. Nobody is. And as far as I would be concerned... Whatever force necessary to ensure that A, they don't enter your home or get out of your home, and B, you maintain your safety and the safety of your people, your family, your pets, your possessions. That's what I believe, and I don't think that's very extreme. I really don't think that's very extreme. But I believe that your home and any, everybody's home should carry that sanctity, that sacredness. That is somebody's home. But you got people flocking to the internet and writing out stupid tweets like this. And by the way, I mean, it's both sides of the aisle. It's people. It's people in general. There are some real 
for lack of better term, shit bags. There are. There are just shit bag people. I can't I can't sugarcoat it. I can't say it in a politically correct way. I can't. And there's guys on the right that do it too. Alright. Um For example, big controversy was uh Kevin Williamson being fired from um the Atlantic, I believe. I wanna say it was the Atlantic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. You type in the Atlantic and Twitter, and here's the slew. Kevin Williamson in the Atlantic um, posted tweets and said in interviews that he believes that abortion is murder, and he believes that women who participate and get an abortion should be hanged. Maybe kind of extreme. Um, In my logical mind, while I don't agree with him that we should be hanging women who get abortions, uh, I don't like the subject of abortion. I really don't. I have very mixed feelings on it uh, in circumstances. And I am not all happy-go-lucky woman's right, uh, woman's body, woman's right, so to speak, in that. But I don't dive too deeply into it because it's a subject I really haven't had to think about, but I don't, I do not approve of abortion morally. I can never see me in a situation, me or my wife. I don't believe my wife, in talking with her, really, really does she believe there would be a justifiable sense where if she became pregnant, she would seek out an abortion. In her mind, at least. But different circumstances, different things, you know, I don't know. I try to value human life, but there's going to be people out there who just heard me say that if somebody breaks into your house, Fair game. Do whatever you got to do to get them out of there. If you kill them, whatever. Um, and they're going to say, I don't value human life. I, I think I do. I think it's just different ways and different levels and different acceptabilities. It's a very complex subject. Now, it's not a simple subject. It's a very complex subject to dive into. And that's but, – but people flock to Twitter. So this all started with me talking about the YouTube shooting. So – that's what it started. There was a ton of people saying, like, I, I can't wait to see that this is a, another another goddamn white male with uh, AR-15 um, shooting up places. When are we going to get rid of the guns? The blood's not even dried. You don't even know where the blood came from. Don't even know where the blood came from. Don't even know the details about it. The YouTube shooter was a woman, Nassim Agdem. A disgruntled video creator who accused YouTube of demonetizing her content. They found her sleeping in her car around 2 a.m. the day of the shooting. Okay, and after discovering she was found near YouTube's headquarters, Agdem's family said they warned police she might do something. Mountain View Police said the family gave no warning of her potential for violence. However... Agdem entered YouTube headquarters in San Bruno through a parking garage. And witnesses say she fired 30 to 40 shots, injuring three people before killing herself. YouTube has suspended her account, pulled down all her videos, and all her content has been deleted. And Instagram has done the same. However, these news clippings that I find on it have, and they're bizarre. They're very bizarre, and she was a member of of PETA, I would say the very extreme sect of PETA, 
the kind that doesn't mind a little violence for those that disagree with them in animal rights and animal abuse. So, the narrative, I mean, trying to find a narrative for the YouTube shooting, you can't. You can't find a narrative. It doesn't fit in the the white male narrative. It doesn't fit in uh, the category of uh, radical uh, terror extremism. And by the way, anybody that fires a gun in public with the intent to kill anybody and cause a ruckus, in my book, that is a terrorist. Uh, There's no sub-definition of has to be Muslim, uh, has to be white, um, has to be black, has to be anything. There's no other qualifiers other than wanting to cause mass casualty for whatever reason. I don't care what the reason is. I don't care what the ideology is. It's the fact that they would want to kill people and carry it out. But people were rushing to get a narrative out of this. They were they were they were begging for a narrative and that's that 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 is disgusting on either side of the aisle. When we have a breaking news blip shooting somewhere, uh, details sparse, and people want to take to Twitter and talk about and drive that kind of rhetoric, that's why there's such divide in America. People just don't mind going on there and slinging the poo as far as you can sling it and burying people in it because my narratives. Now, uh, before I close out today's festivities, since we're on the topic of social media, I love how everything's been just segueing into each other, left and right. This has been this has been very perfect, and I didn't write it this way, so that's actually it's great that it's been working out this way. Facebook increasingly um, is is finding check marks on the crap list for me. Um, with, with this big data breach scandal and Mark Zuckerberg and, and how things are going with it. <laughs> Facebook, Facebook is reeling from this data breach from Cambridge Analytica and how many users who did not agree for their data to be parsed by, by a third party got parsed anyway because other friends of theirs accepted an app and didn't read the terms and, and agreed that their friend's information could be parsed. Despite the fact that you would think Facebook safeguards would protect all your information. All of this is going on and it really, to me, I don't understand how people think you're safe on the internet. How you're super duper 100% safe on the internet because I'm safe. You're not. You're not safe on the internet. In fact, you're, what you're doing when you accept those terms and agreements with Facebook, for example, is you are putting your trust that Facebook is going to follow it. But then why? Why are stories like this from The Verge getting posted about how, how, for example, Mark Zuckerberg's messages sent on Facebook Messenger have vanished from recipients' inbox, but their, their text messages on Messenger won't be deleted. That's right. That's right. This Verge article written by Tom Warren, at Tom Warren on Twitter if you'd like, posted this very day, this very morning. Quote, old Facebook messages sent by Zuckerberg have simply vanished in some existing threads and TechCrunch reports that effective messages no longer appear in Facebook's Download to Your Information tool. Recent messages from Zuckerberg reportedly remain in some users' inboxes, and the company doesn't appear to have cleared out all of Zuckerberg's old older messages prior to 2014. Facebook has never publicly disclosed the removal of these messages until now. 
and simply quietly deleted them from recipients' messenger inboxes. Regular Facebook users aren't able to delete their own messages from other people's messenger box, and a special process was applied to Facebook's executives. End quote. Now I want to read you two tweets from Casey Newton. And Casey Newton is Silicon Valley editor at The Verge. And he stated in his tweets, quote, Facebook now acknowledges it has a two-tiered privacy system which regular users have to live with their dumb old texts forever and the CEOs disappear into a memory hole. Let's remember that next week when they tell Congress how they seriously, how seriously they take our privacy. Deleting Mark's messages while leaving the recipients intact highlights Facebook's actual views on privacy better than any statement it makes on the subject ever will. This has, for some reason, it always takes something to happen for people to think on the level of, oh my God, what am I putting on my Facebook and is it safe? Then this goes back to things like the Snapchat location thing I talked about a couple weeks ago. Snapchat, if you have that app and you have location services turned on, anybody that follows you, anybody that follows you, if you don't have your privacy settings on, can pretty much see where you're sitting right now when you're logged into that app. And there's other ways that people can tap into your phone and know your location. You, you think Facebook really cares about your privacy, but this isn't the first time that Facebook's come under fire for information and content. But it doesn't matter that I tell you all this. You know why? Because I'm hypocritical. Because when I'm done this podcast episode, I'm going to log into the FritzCast Facebook page, post the link to the SoundCloud link, and share it, and then share it on my personal Facebook page. Because I, because I guess I'm an addict. It's such a drug that I can't rip the needle out and just let it go. But increasingly, as it happens, I feel like Twitter seems like a better platform to me now. Instagram seems like a better platform to me now. Because Facebook is fumbling the ball with Mark Zuckerberg's will. And now Facebook's going on apology tours. And to, and to me, you can go on as many apology tours as you want when what's done is done. Well, we take full responsibility for the data breach, but your data's already breached and it's gone and somebody else has it. That's the internet. How much of yourself and your information do you want floating on the World Wide Web to be found? How much? How much is it worth to you? Is all your stuff open and public? Because sometimes that doesn't even matter. Because in that data breach, your information could have been taken in that data breach. All it took was one of your friends to download an app and agree to the terms, and your shit got parsed too. Facebook, this is the time to stand up and start demanding that accountability out of Facebook. Sure, it is a free plat- platform that you use. But that's an entity. At the end of the day, they need you more than you need them. You're you're just using a platform, and there's many platforms that you can use now on the Internet. It's an evolving thing. Remember when MySpace was a big thing? MySpace was a big thing. I remember being in middle school, everybody had a MySpace. And then when we matured and wanted to get away from the juvenileness of MySpace, we went to Facebook. And now Facebook's slowly making that turn, and now we're even questioning whether they're on our side or not and going to protect us or not. 
And guess what that means? That means another platform could rise up. Yeah, Facebook could fold. It's possible. It's always possible. In this ever-changing digital world, things pop up and rise up, and they rise and they fall, and they go in trends. Facebook has stuck around for a while, but is it going to stick around for much longer? Who is to say? People love Facebook, though. They love social media. They love it. Mostly because studies would show you it's like a drug. It is like a drug. And the receptors that it's hitting in your brain, you're just an addict. You're in, you're addicted to it without it being some drug off the street. But needless to say, it's an interesting story to follow. And just for an example, uh, in this Bloomberg article about private messages aren't exactly private at Facebook. Definitely read into that. They have this... Uh, <laughs> They have this thing, this fear gauge of the stock market value of Facebook from February 1st, 2018 to April 4th, just the other day. And in case you didn't notice, uh, Facebook's stock value on February 1st, 2018 was $560.9 billion. Guess where it sits today on April 4th? It sits at $450.6 billion, a $90 billion shed in these scandals so if you think Facebook isn't losing steam or can't lose steam that's just an example it's still a huge billion dollar industry but that's where it stands guys it's been 45 minutes of your life thanks for championing through it I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen taking the time to read my blog post and taking the time to interact with me on Twitter and Facebook and email and Everything that you do, I appreciate it. So, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at FritzQS, F-R-I-T-Z-Q-S. On Facebook, but maybe not much longer, at Facebook.com slash the FritzCast. FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com if you want to, you know, get into discreet communications. Because you shouldn't do it over Facebook because they're not very discreet. And... As always, the blog is FritzCast.wordpress.com. Read it for the blog, Cars Are Killer. Should we ban cars? Guys, thank you for listening. Thanks for putting up with my uh, odd, off, goofish, oddball millennial ways and libertarian ways. And I hope to see you all, or I hope that you all click back next week for next week's episode. And until then, God bless.